Welcome and bienvenue and welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing Fiddler on the Roof. Here's to our prosperity, our good health and happiness, and most important, to life, to life, l'chaim. L'chaim, l'chaim, to life. Is to the father I try to be. He's to my bride to be. Drink l'chaim to life, to life, l'chaim. L'chaim, l'chaim to life. Life has a way of confusing us, blessing and bruising us. Drink l'chaim to life. God would like us to be joyful, even when our hearts lie panting on the floor. What more can we be joyful when there's really something to be joyful for? To life, to life, l'chaim. To title my daughter, my wife. It gives you something to think about. Something to drink about. Drink l'chaim. To life. Yes, Lisa, Drinks for everybody. What's the occasion? I'm taking myself a bride. Who is it? Tevye's eldest cycle. But first, how are we doing? I hope this episode of The Musical Man finds you well. Hey, I hate to barrel forward like this. You know how I like to check in with Patty and Benny. Patty and Benny, you know that I love you. But I feel it is important for us to move directly into the show facts because we have so much to unpack. This is one of the biggest subjects we will ever cover here on the main feed, right? Of course right, yes. And so I want to move into the show facts. Is that fine with everybody? Is that okay with you? you the listener, I hope it is, because that's what we're doing. Show me the show facts regarding Fiddler on the Roof. All right, let's do it. Fiddler on the Roof was the 1965 winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical. It opened on September 22nd, 1964 at the Imperial Theater before moving to the Majestic Theater in February 1967 and the Broadway Theater in December 1970. Fiddler ran for a total of 3,242 performances and as of this recording, it is the 17th longest-running production in Broadway history. Grease is number 16, with 3,388 performances, and Life with Father, Broadway's longest-running straight play, is number 18, with 3,224 performances. The book of Fiddler on the Roof was written by Joseph Stein, the music was written by Jerry Bach, and the lyrics were written by Sheldon Harnack. Our latest subject is based on the stories of Sholem Aleikum, a.k.a. Sholem Rabinovich. Aleikum was developing a stage adaptation of his work when he passed away in 1916. The Yiddish Art Theater produced the play in 1919, the same year Broken Barriers, the first film adaptation of the Tevye stories, was released. Two additional films would follow, Tevye in 1939, which would go on to become the first non-English language film entered into the National Film Register and Tevya and his seven daughters in 1968. I have to assume the 68 film was produced in the wake of the musical's roaring success. Have there been other films? Yes, Tevya is a very popular character. Other inspirations for this week's subject include Life is with People, The Culture of the Shtetl, a 1952 book by Mark Zaborowski and Elizabeth Herzog, which documented the lives of Jews living in Eastern Europe. 
as well as the paintings of Marc Chagall, which directly influenced the scenic designs of Boris Aronson. One of Chagall's paintings, The Fiddler, depicts a fiddler on a roof, but the musical's production team claimed the title of their show, quote, did not refer to any specific Chagall painting, quote, sure, all right, no, of course, obviously, why would I think otherwise? Before we go any further, I should also cite Arnold Pearl and Sergei Hove's play, Tevya and His Daughters, which ran off-Broadway from September 16th through November 17th, 1957. Wikipedia describes the show as a musical, but from what I have found, it is a play, a play with music, to be sure, but not a musical. Several people, including Rogers and Hammerstein, eh, expressed an interest in moving Tevya and his daughters to Broadway. Though a transition never occurred, Pearl's name does appear in the opening credits of the 1971 film adaptation of the musical. The impact of his collaboration with Hovey is therefore undeniable. Back to the show facts. The director of the original production of Fiddler on the Roof was Jerome Robbins. Robbins frequently found himself at odds with Fiddler's star, Zero Mostel. The source of their tension? Robbins had testified before the House Un-American Activities Committee in May of 1953, going so far as to name names when it came to communist sympathizers. This decision was made out of fear. Robbins was Jewish and bisexual and rightly believed his career was on the line. Even so, Zero had little sympathy for his director. I believe he referred to him as a blabbermouth on the first day of the rehearsal period. Hello, blabbermouth. I suppose... <laughs> You're getting off easy if you're being called a blabbermouth. P.S. The list of names Robbins chose to provide included Madeline Lee and Jack Guilford, a married couple whose careers were effectively destroyed as a result of Jerome's testimony. So, yeah, fun times. Thank you so much, Jerome. The musical director for Fiddler on the Roof was Milton Green. Orchestrations were provided by Don Walker, and the choreographer was Jerome Robbins. Hello again, Jerome. Scenic design, Boris Aronson. Hello again, Boris. Lighting design, Gene Rosenthal. Sound design, N.A. Costume design, Patricia Sibrot. And the original Broadway cast was as follows. We have Zero Mustel. Hello again, Zero. We have Beatrice B. Arthur. She played Yenta the Matchmaker. Hello, B. Arthur. Wonderful to see you. We have Bert Convy. You might know Bert Convy as the host of several game shows, including Tattletales, Super Password, and Win, Lose, or Draw. Bert had an extensive Broadway and off-Broadway career. I believe he was in Nine, and also The Fantastics. I believe we cited him in our episode of Turn It Off that was dedicated to The Fantastics. But back to the Fiddler cast. We have Tanya Everett in her Broadway debut. Congratulations. We have Michael Granger, Maria Kamalova, Joanna Merlin, Julia McGinnis, Austin Pendleton, Joe, 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 Panzecki, Panzecki. I apologize. I know that I am most likely mispronouncing several of these first and last names as always, I do apologize. I do my best. We have Joseph Sullivan, Tom Abbott, John C. Adel, Sue Babel, Sammy Bays, Robert Burdeen, Lorenzo Bianco, Dwayne Bowden, Gino Conforti, Robert Curry, Maurice Edwards, Sarah Felcher, Leonard Frey, Tony Gardell, Louis Genavrino, Genavrino, Ross Guilford, Dan Jason, Sandra Kazan, Tom Kutsukos, Sharon Larratt, Paul Lipson, Sylvia Mann, 
Pev Madelsky, Irene Paris, Marilyn Rogers, Linda Ross, Charles Rule, Gluck, Sandor, Carol Sawyer, Zavi Schooler, Roberta Sinanya, Mitch Thomas, and last but certainly not least, we have Helen Verbit. When it comes to Tony Nons, Fiddler on the Roof won the following Tony Awards. Best Musical, of course, but also Best Composer and Lyricist, Jerry Bach and Sheldon Harnick. Best Actor in a Musical, Zero Mostel. Best Featured Actress in a Musical, Maria Karnalova. Best Costume Design, Patricia Sibrot. Best Choreography, Jerome Robbins. Best Direction of a Musical, Jerome Robbins. Best Producer of a Musical, Harold Hal Prince. Hello again, Hal. And Best Author of a Musical, Joseph Stein. The production was additionally nominated for Best Scenic Design, Boris Aronson. So, in total, ten nominations, nine awards when all was said and done. Boris Aronson lost the Scenic Design Award to Oliver Smith, whose work was featured in not one, but three Broadway productions that season. Baker Street, which I believe is the Sherlock Holmes musical, the play Love, and The Odd Couple. I believe Love is a play. I know The Odd Couple is a play. I'm sure Aronson took the loss in stride, but if it were me, I would have been driven nuts. Everybody else got a Tony Award except me. I was the only one who did not win. Uh, oh, let's talk about the plot of Fiddler on the Roof. The year is 1905, and our setting is Anatevka, a fictional village in the Pale of Settlement of Imperial Russia. The anti-Semitic edicts of Tsar Nicholas II have made the nation a perilous and unstable home for its Jewish citizens. Tensions between Russian Jews and Gentiles are increasing by the day. We are introduced to our main character, Tevya, his wife Golda, and their daughters, Seitel, Hoddle, Hava, Sprinza, and Bielka. Sprinza and Bielka are small children who do not factor into the plot. Do not worry about them. A fiddler on the roof. We are introduced to this metaphor of a fiddler on the roof. Sounds crazy, no? Ah, if you've seen the show, I don't need to explain the metaphor to you. Tevya explains the metaphor to you. We have Yenta the matchmaker. Oh, here she comes. Yenta the matchmaker says to Golda, Tevya's wife, Laser Wolf, the butcher wants to marry your daughter, Seidel. Oh, Laser Wolf. He's a butcher, which means he has a lot of money. He could make life for Seidel very comfortable. Golda is over the moon. Meanwhile, Hoddle and Hava are eager to find a match. They want Yenta the matchmaker to find a man for them. Seidel is not excited about, oh boy, matchmaking. Not so much with the excitement. She wants to marry Mottle, a poor tailor she has known and loved since they were were children. Tevya discusses recent pogroms, violent anti-Jewish riots, with Avram, the bookseller, a radical named Perchik. Hello, I'm Perchik. I'm a radical. He encourages them to do more than talk. Why sit around talking? Action is what we need. Action! Tevya invites Perchik into his home to serve as tutor to Sprinza and Bielka. Tevya likes this Perchik. He likes him. Golda orders Tevya to speak with Laser Wolf. Go talk to Laser Wolf, though she does not tell him why. Why? Why do you want me to talk to Laser Wolf? Ah, shush, just go. Seidel encourages Model to speak with Tevya, but he is hesitant. The tailor is saving up all of his money for a sewing machine, which will prove he can support Seidel. Tevya meets with Laser Wolf at a tavern, believing the butcher wants to buy his cow. There is a misunderstanding. Oh, it's quite funny. They negotiate the terms of the marriage. They figure everything out together, and they decide that, yes, 
Saito will marry Lazar Wolf. Ha! Ah, hooray! Huzzah! To life! This is a process which involves a lot of drinking and dancing. Surprisingly, the Russian Gentiles, who are also at the tavern, join them in celebration of the match. The constable, the Russian constable who oversees Anatevka, he warns Tevya of an impending demonstration, a.k.a. a pogrom. Though he is meant to keep the Jewish people in check, the constable has come to like Tevya and his neighbors. As much as a constable in charge of keeping the Jewish people in check can like them and respect them, the constable was a sticking point for a number of people back in 1964. This is not surprising. As depicted in Aleikum's original stories, the constable serves as the face of brutal violence. A nicer version of the character is about as digestible as a nice quote-unquote Nazi. Oh, a nice Nazi. He's just following orders. He's conflicted. Yeah, I could see why people would not necessarily be interested in investing in that version of the character. I understand it. If I may place my conical director's cap upon mine head, I should say it's conical, it's cone-shaped, because it's in the tradition of the classic dunce cap. Every time I put this director's hat on my head, just imagine me sitting in a corner of an old-fashioned schoolroom wearing a dunce cap. Here's what I have to say as a director. The constable should have a chilling effect on everyone he encounters. He is a friend to the community in the way a mobster is a friend to the community, and we should never feel sorry for him. The constable is not a complicated or conflicted man. They really go out of their way to try and make him a very oddly relatable character in the 71 film version, and I was not interested in that. Okay, I'm taking the hat off. We are getting back to the plot. Perchik and Hoddle dance together in defiance of the old ways. They break a tradition. Men and women are not supposed to dance together, and yet Perchik, ah, he's interested. He's interested in pushing the boundaries of their traditions. Chemistry? Yeah, chemistry, baby. Tevya informs Seidel of her match with the Lazar Wolf. You are going to marry Lazar Wolf. She is heartbroken. Seidel and Model made a pledge to marry each other over a year ago. Papa! Papa! Tevya is baffled. A pledge? What are you talking about? Unheard of. Absurd! But after a moment of reflection, he allows them to remain together. Ah, it's a miracle. That night, Tevya devises a dream which he describes to Golda in the middle of the night. In the dream, the spirits of Golda's grandmother and Laser Wolf's first wife compel them to break their agreement with the butcher. Ah, we demand it from beyond the grave. Golda, being superstitious, accepts their ethereal instructions without questions. If the ghosts want Seidel to marry Model the tailor, fine, we'll go with that. Hava meets Fiedka, a gentile who loans her a book. Chemistry? Yeah, chemistry. Give me that book, baby. The wedding of Saito and Mato arrives. Tevya and Lazar Wolf get into an argument. Uh, Perchik dispels the argument by distracting everyone with a dance. He dances with Hoddle to the amazement of everyone in the village. My god, a man is dancing with a woman. And Tevya begins to dance with Golda. He breaks the tradition. Suddenly, all oh, the men are dancing with all of the women. And then, sadly, a pogrom erupts out of nowhere, leaving the village in tatters. The wedding has been completely destroyed. It is a very sad note to end on. Perchik declares, this is act two, he declares he will be leaving Anatevka to participate in what will be known as the Russian Revolution of 1905, otherwise known as the First Russian Revolution. He proposes to Hoddle, she accepts, and they inform Tevya of their engagement. They say to Tevya, we do not ask for your 
permission, though we do ask for your blessing. A perturbed Tevye grants them both. You have my permission and my blessing. Ah, it's a miracle. Tevye and Golda discuss their own marriage. After 25 years of living, working, fighting, and starving together, do they love each other? Do they love each other in the way that Hado and Perchik, Saito and Model love each other? These young people always talking about love. Do we love each other? Yes, they do. Chemistry? Yeah, chemistry. Let's make love, baby. Perchik is arrested, uh-oh, and imprisoned in Siberia. Hoddle leaves Anatevka to be with him, knowing she may never see her parents or her sisters again. It's very sad. Hava informs Tevya she has fallen in love with Fiedka and wishes to marry him. Uh, Tevya refuses to accept the match. Fiedka is a Gentile, and Hava cannot be allowed to marry outside of the Jewish faith? No! When Hava and Fiedka elope in secret, uh, Tevya vows to never speak to Hava again. Hava no longer exists. For all intents and purposes, Hava is dead. The residents of Anatevka learn they will be expelled from Russia in three days. Hava makes one final attempt to reach her father, and though he is unable to face her directly, Tevya relays a message through Saito, God be with you. He wants Hava to know that God will be with her. Oh, he cannot. He cannot bring himself to completely ignore his daughter. Tevya, Golda, Sprinza, and Bielka begin their long journey to America. Tevya spies the fiddler and encourages him to come along. And that is the end of the story. The end. Question. What happens to Tevya and his family in Shalem Aleichem's original stories? How do these events differ from those of the musical? The various courtships are faithfully recreated by the musical, for the most part. Model dies from consumption at an early age, which is quite tragic, leaving Tevya to care for Saitel and his grandchildren while dealing with their expulsion from Boybrick. The stories actually take place in a village that is a neighbor to Anna Tevka. The name of the village is Boybrick. It is a fictional settlement in which the stories take place. So there you go. I want to focus on Bielka and Sprinza and Golda. I want to focus on what happens to them in the stories. Bielka marries a man named Potitzer, a rich contractor. Potitzer pays Tevya to leave town, go away, as he wants people to believe Bielka hails from a wealthy family. Bielka explains to Tevya that Potitzer himself was once poor, and having attained wealth, has devised an impressive and wholly fictional backstory for himself. Tevya agrees to go, but his plans are waylaid by a pogrom and the expulsion of Jews from Boiberuk. Potitzer and Bielka eventually lose everything and flee to America where they find work in a factory. Sprinza becomes engaged to a man named Aranchik, the son of a wealthy widow. When the widow's family forces Aranchik to reject Sprinza, she drowns herself in a river. Oh my god! Tevya witnesses his daughter's body in the water a sight he cannot bring himself to describe. And finally, if you thought if you thought Golda was going to go out on a happier note, she doesn't. She dies practically in a state of panic. She has no idea how Tevye will care for himself once she is gone. To quote her directly from the story, quote, I am dying, Tevye. Who will cook supper for you? Quote, in a later story, Tevye describes Golda thusly, quote, Golda, God rest her soul, was the wisest one of 
all, if only because she saw what was going on around her, said goodbye to this foolish world, and left it. Quote, it is now time for me to relay to you all of the sources that I will be pulling from for the purposes of this episode. Now, keep in mind, on top of everything I'm about to reference, I want you to know that I played the rabbi as a freshman in high school. This was at Davis County High School in Owensboro, Kentucky. I will not speak to the overall quality of the production itself, even though you could probably surmise as much from the tone of my voice. I was most definitely bad. I won't speak for the show's quality. I will talk about my own performance. I was bad. They put a King James Bible in my hands. It was fucking psychotic. A 14-year-old walking around pretending to be an 80-year-old Jewish rabbi. I also recall a summer theater camp production for kids between the ages of, I want to say 12 and maybe 15. This was staged some time ago in a suburb of Chicago. A friend of mine was the choreographer. And here's what I remember most vividly from that summer theater camp production. The kid who played the constable was, and I say this as a formerly pint-sized queen, an iconic pint-sized queen. Tavia, I must warn you of the demonstration that is to occur. He was amazing. <laughs> He seemed to be having a lot of fun with his baton, if you know what I mean. A lot of twirling, twirling, twirling of the baton. I I was obsessed with that kid. Okay, what were my sources? What am I pulling from? Well, I read the Tevye the Dairyman stories by Sholema Lakem, which were published between 1895 and 1916. These stories were translated from the Yiddish by Alitza Shevrin, and the titles of the stories are as follows. We have Contanti, I Am Unworthy, The Great Windfall, The Roof Falls In, Today's Children, Hoddle, Hava, Sprinza, Tevye is Going to Eretz, Royal, Get Thee Gone. And finally, we have a story, the title of which is hard for me to pronounce, but I will do my best. Vachalaklokos. Vachalaklokos. There we go. I apologize. I listened to the 1964 original Broadway cast album of Fiddler on the Roof. This stars, of course, Zero Mostel in the role of Tevye. I listened to this album a thousand times during the lead up to our high school production, and there is no beating it. It is a classic recording, in my humble opinion. What a radical opinion it is. Zero Mostel is the king. He is my Tevya. That's it. I know a lot of people love Topol, and I get it. He's great in the film, but Zero Mostel was my first Tevya, and so I hold him close to my heart. He's in my heart is what he is. I am presenting these sources to you in chronological order, even though I did not read or watch or listen to them in this order necessarily. I listened to a few tracks. I did not get through the whole thing, but I want to tell everyone that I listened to a bit of a 1966 album called Herschel Bernardi Sings Fiddler on the Roof. I only listened to a bit of it. It was very strange. Bernardi is probably best known as Lieutenant Jacoby from the TV series Peter Gunn. If you've seen the film Blues Brothers and you know the theme of the Blues Brothers, dun 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 whatever. That's the theme from Peter Gunn. I'll tell you this, this album was very strange. He introduces every song sort of in character. He's essentially 
actually playing a version of Tevya, but every song is preceded by a monologue that is not from the show. It's a completely original piece of writing on someone's part. The monologues are very strange. There's one right at the beginning where he says something like, ah, the old country. You have a wagon, you have a pot, you starve a little bit. It's great. It's really close to the original writing, but it's different enough to where you just live in an uncanny valley. I did not finish it for a reason. The old country. Here's a horse cart. There's a wood stove. Here people work and struggle and starve a little and get sick and get married and give birth and raise children and fight with each other and laugh and cry and live and die. A tough people. They have to be. It's a tough life. But one thing holds them together. Makes them a community. Tradition. Who day and night must scramble for a living Feed a wife and children, say his daily prayers And who has the right as master of the house To have the final word at home The Papa, the Papa what did I do next? Well, I listened to the 1967 original London cast album, which stars Chaim Topol, a.k.a. Topol, in the role of Tevya. He was about 32 years old at the time, if you can believe it. A young man! A young man he was! The accent work from this cast, this company, is a little dodgy. It's as if the show were being presented by the cast of Picnic at Hanging Rock. I say yenta dubia dear and make a match for me, won't you? Jolly good. Hate to be a bother. Oy vey and all that. I'm exaggerating, of course, but it does make one stop to consider the idea of non-Jewish actors performing Jewishness for the stage. There is no such thing as a monolithic Jewish identity, of course, no one way to play these characters, but the original London cast is giving me big Davis County High School in Owensboro, Kentucky vibes. I say, but how Jewish am I? Am I quite Jewish? It's all very, it's very performative. It's like pantomime. It's bordering on a little bit of minstrelsy. But Topol is great. On his own, he is great. Everyone who is surrounding him, that's a little more dodgy. Let's keep talking about Topol in the 1971 film adaptation, which I watched, of course. Topol made a career out of playing Tevye, the way Carol Channing and Yul Brenner made a career out of playing Dolly Levi and the King of Siam. And honestly, good for him. Good for all of them. If you're not sick of playing the character, keep making that money. Live on it! The film was directed by Norman Jewison, who also directed Moonstruck, The Hurricane, Rollerball, and Jesus Christ Superstar. Additional music was provided by the one and only John Williams, and when you hear the score of this film, you will hear John Williams within it. I recently watched Jaws 2, which features a particularly delightful, very good score from Mr. Williams, so if you have not seen Jaws 2, but you like John Williams, sit down with that film. You will get a nice heaping helping of Johnny. <laughs> Look, I am a big fan of Paul Mann as Laser Wolf. That's what I want to say to you. That's what I want to say. This is a huggable, snuggable, teddy bear version of the character. I love this Laser Wolf. I feel bad for him when his plans fall apart. Oh, his marriage plans. Hang in there, Laser. You will find 
someone. Someone will love you. Maybe Tevya? Paul Mann has palpable, tangible chemistry with Topol in this film. Something is happening there between the characters. Something is either happening in the present moment or something in the present is being informed by something from the past. Something that happened in their youth. An affair. An emotional or physical or both. I don't know. Huh? My eyebrows are raised. Topol. Tevya. Paul Mann. Lazar. What's going on? Hello. Let's move on to the 2004 Broadway revival cast album, which stars none other than Alfred Molina as Tevya. I cannot be blamed for picturing Alfred Molina as Doc Ock while listening to this album, because Molina makes no attempt at an accent. Imagine it, Golda. The power of the sun in my hands. I'm sorry, but I just kept thinking of it. It probably doesn't help that there is behind-the-scenes footage from Spider-Man 2, where Alfred Molina is in full Doc Ock costuming and makeup, and he is singing If I Were a Rich Man while the tentacles move about in rhythm. It's a very funny clip. You should look it up. Notable replacements for this 2004 Broadway revival include Harvey Firestein in the role of Tevya. Harvey did the show between January 4th, 2005 and January 8th, 2006. We have Andrea Martin stepping in for the role of Golda. This is January 4th, 2005 through July 31st, 2005. And then she herself was replaced by Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie did the show between September 20th, 2005 and January 8th, 2006. We will be hearing more about Harvey and Rosie O'Donnell during our show-related ephemera segment, so put a pin in each of them. I listened to the 2007 London Revival cast album, starring Henry Goodman in the role of Tevya. This was technically the last album I listened to in full prior to our recording. The London albums, I gotta say, no offense to our London listeners, but these albums are a little dull in comparison to everything else I sat with. My apologies to Topol and Henry Goodman and their respective companies. I'm very apologetic. But uh, we are not within striking distance of the OBC album, which is my gold standard. I've made that clear. Ah, question for smarter people than myself. Is it like a thing that you can't listen to full albums via the Spotify mobile app? That's right. I'm interrupting the show so I can ask an old man technology question. Ah, if you don't pay for Spotify premium, does that mean you can't listen to full albums on your phone? Because they were not they, Spotify, were not letting me listen to this, this London album, through my phone, and it drove me banana bread nuts. I only could listen to one track. It was very strange. Do you know what's going on? Help me. I'm very old. We're not done yet. I listened to the 2015 Broadway revival cast album starring Danny Burstein as Tevye. Danny Burstein, of course. A key figure from the drowsy chaperone, a previous subject of the main feed. Hello again, Danny. We have new orchestrations by Ted Sperling. I could not help but notice these new orchestrations from Ted Sperling after having listened to so many other albums prior to this. Ted, you did fantastic work. It was very refreshing to hear these new orchestrations, so I tip my hat, I doff my hat to you, Ted Sperling. I then listened to the 2018 Off-Broadway Revival cast album, which stars Stephen Skybell in the role of Tevye. The production, originally staged at the New York Museum of Jewish Heritage, before moving to the Stage 42 Off-Broadway venue, this production utilized a Yiddish translation by Shraga 
Helga Friedman. Said translation was first employed all the way back in 1965 for the original Israeli production of Fiddler. The second disc of this album includes a ton of songs that were cut on the road to Broadway, none of which were written for Hava or Fiedka. This is a huge sticking point for me. They are the only young lover characters without a song to call their own. No song to their name. Laser Wolf had a song that was cut on the road to Broadway. The Rabbi had a song that was cut. The Constable had his own song called Get Thee Out. These songs are bad, but they existed at one time, is my point. What's wrong with Hava and Fiedka? Why didn't they get their own song? Why? And then finally, I watched the 2019 documentary Fiddler, A Miracle of Miracles. This should not be confused with Fiddler's Journey to the Big Screen, a documentary which purportedly came out this year in January of this year and is narrated by Jeff Goldblum. How do I watch this film? I would have watched it. I don't know. Is it available? I don't know. I don't know. A Miracle of Miracles is entertaining and insightful. There's no denying that. I especially enjoyed hearing the old tapes Bach and Harnick would record and pass to each other while developing the score. That was very interesting. But there is so much talk throughout this documentary of Fiddler's universal appeal. That word gets thrown around a lot. It's universality. Fiddler is about all of us, people keep saying. Anyone can relate to Fiddler on the Roof. They keep saying that. And yes, sure, of course, of course they can. But we cannot lose sight of the musical's origins and the specific voices and perspectives that inform the piece. Anyone can do Fiddler, it's true. But Fiddler isn't about anyone. It's about a Jewish community. Focus! I'm just worried some Gentile theater group will try to rob Fiddler of its Jewishness the way Once on this Island and The Wiz are routinely robbed of their blackness. Who says white children can't do The Wiz? Who says Fiddler can't be about Baptists or Mormons or Catholics? These are universal stories. They belong to all of us, and so we will take them and do with them what we will. Jerome Robbins. Okay, there is a story told in this documentary all about Jerome Robbins and how he effectively abused Tanya Everett, who I believe plays, yes, she plays Hava. And Jerome Robbins was obsessed with the way she delivered this line. We'll write to you in America, if you like. And he backed her into a corner and made her say that line hundreds of times. She said it in every conceivable way. We'll write to you in America, if you like. We'll write to you in America, if you like. We'll write to you in America, if you like. Again and again and again. And they talked to Sondheim in this documentary, and Sondheim says something like, oh yeah, Jerome Robbins was a monster, but he was a genius, and I would have worked with him at any opportunity, any day of the week, because the product was worth it. I cannot believe that he says this. It's really disappointing to hear Stephen Sondheim say, yeah, 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 he was a monster, he was abusive, he was a piece of shit, but what matters is the end product. It doesn't matter what souls you break in half. If the recipe calls for broken souls, then you need to break a few souls. That's all I have to say regarding my research sources, but before we dive into our score deconstruction, I would like to offer a few samples from Sholem Aleichem's original Tevye stories, all right? All right. The following is a passage from the story Contanti, I Am Unworthy, and in this moment, Tevye is speaking directly to Sholem Aleichem, who he refers to as Pani, as he does in every story. Every story is a monologue delivered by Tevye to Sholem Aleichem. 
like him. So here is the passage, quote, You know very well that I served you in bygone years when you were still living in the Big Daka. Do you remember? I bought you a cow for 50 rubles that I bargained down from 55. It was a steal. So she died on the third day. It wasn't my fault. Why did the other cow I gave you also die? You know very well that upset me. I was beside myself. Even with the best intentions, things like that can happen. Quote, here is another passage from the story The Great Windfall. Tevye converses with two women he encounters on the road. Quote, The taste of hunger I understand very well. You don't need to tell me. I haven't tasted or even laid my eyes on coffee or a butter roll for a year. That is something Tevye says directly to the women. And then he goes into a bit of an internal monologue. He thinks to himself, And as I was speaking, I envisioned a glass of hot coffee with cream and a fresh butter roll along with other delicious foods. Schlamazel, I was scolding myself. Is that how I was raised on coffee and butter rolls? A piece of bread and herring isn't good enough for me? And he, the tempter, may he be banished from our thoughts, insisted on coffee, insisted on a butter roll. I smelled the aroma of coffee, tasted the flavor of butter rolls, fresh, delicious, soul-satisfying. And then this internal monologue of Tevye's is interrupted by one of the two women. They are standing on the road, looking up at him. He is in his wagon. All they want is a ride. And this woman interrupts to say, do you know what, Reb Tevye, since we're both standing Standing here, would it be such a bad idea if we got up on your wagon and you kindly took us home to Boybrick? How does that idea strike you? <laughs> I find that very funny that they interrupt. He's just sitting there, presumably thinking about coffee and butter rolls in complete silence, and they're standing there going, What the fuck is with this guy? <laughs> Hello, Tevya, you know, since you have a wagon, why don't you help us out? We're old women. <laughs> It's very funny to me. And then finally, I want to read from Today's Children. In this passage, Tevye reflects on his experiences with a cousin of his, a cousin that screwed him over financially. Quote, to make a long story short, why should I fill your ear? You probably remember what happened to me with my cousin, Manika Mendel. How nicely he worked out our business in Yabetz. Investing in all those stocks and shares and gold imperials, may his name and memory be obliterated. I lost everything. May it happen to all my enemies. Quote. All right, that's enough of the stories for now. I will read a few more passages in the very near future. But for now, let's talk about the score. Let's hear from the prologue, Tradition.
she's pretty. The sun, the sun, pretty sun, the sun. circle of our little village we've always had our many special types for instance yen to the matchmaker avram i have a perfect match for your son a wonderful girl who is it rachel the shoemaker's daughter rachel she can hardly see she's almost blind tell the truth avram is your son so much to look at the way she sees and the way he looks it's a perfect match I mean, what can be said? Tradition is quite possibly the best. Welcome to the world. Welcome to the town number the musical theater canon has to offer. It is a masterclass in architecture and pacing. I love listening to it. I never got sick of it. You heard how many albums I listened to. And when it's over, your audience should be on the hook for the rest of the evening. It's an amazing number that should completely capture the attention of your crowd. I am in love with the way Zuramostel delivers the line, I have five! daughters. I love the pride Tevye takes in that moment. He has so much pride in his daughters. I have five. One, two, three, four, five. Five daughters. The pride is so charming and endearing. Any cast album, and there were a few, that does not include this line, I have five daughters. Do not do that. Do not get rid of that line while recording the album. Keep it in. The verse for the sons, I have to say, is undeniably queer to me. I feel no differently in the wake of Lin-Manuel Miranda talking about how he played a son in his school production of Fiddler on the Roof. When he sings the verse, it's just as queer as anyone else singing it. (laughs) At three, I started Hebrew school. At ten, I learned a trade. I hear they picked a bride for me. I hope she's pretty. I bet you do. (laughs) I bet you do, my sons. The original Broadway cast daughters, the daughters who deliver the verse about the daughters, they deliver the line, preparing me to marry whomever Papa picks. There's a bit of a disdain there that I really like, and you don't get that in the other albums, but you can hear within the company of daughters that there is a friction there. There is a tension there in the idea, the face of this matchmaker concept. Uh, They don't like it. I like that. I like that you can hear that personality within the group. And the film, oh my gosh, the 1971 film cuts yen to the matchmaker's whole bit with avram the bookseller that line ah the way she sees and the way he looks it's a perfect match you don't cut that norman jewison what are you doing you thought to cut yenta's joke about rochel you cut rochel boo is what i say to you boo 
Harvest, since when are you interested in a match? I thought you just had your eye on your books. <laughs> yes, and you have your eye on the rabbi's son. Why not? We only have one rabbi, he only has one son. Why shouldn't I want the best? Because you're a girl from a poor family. And whatever Yenta brings, you'll take. Right? Of course, right. Hoddle, oh Hoddle, have I made a match for you? He's handsome, he's young. All oh, right, he's 62, but he's a nice man, a good catch, true? True. I promise you'll be happy, and even if you're not, there's more to life than that. Don't ask me what. Hava, I found him. Will you be a lucky bride? He's handsome, he's tall. That is from side to side, but he's a nice man, a good catch, right? Right. You heard he has a temper. He'll beat you every night, but only when he's sober. So you're all right. Did you think you'd get a prince? Well, I do the best I can. With no money, no dowry, no family background. Be glad you've got a man. Matchmaker, matchmaker, you know that I'm still very young. Please. Take your time. Up to this minute, I misunderstood that I could get stuck for good. Dear Yenta, see that he's gentle. Remember, you were also a bride. It's not that I'm sentimental. It's just that. Upon further reflection and having heard Matchmaker, Matchmaker a number of times, I realized that Seidel doesn't really have a song to call her own. I know I said that Hava was the only daughter that did not have a true solo, and yeah, Seidel, Seidel doesn't really have a solo, but she is the star of Matchmaker, Matchmaker. This is her big musical moment, and Hava doesn't really have anything that we can compare that to. I'll say this, Seidel has a mean, <laughs> she has a mean mean in many senses, impression of Yenta the Matchmaker that she is all too willing to put out into the world. I think it's hilarious. Hoddle, oh hoddle, have I made a match for you? It's very fun. What else do you have to say about Matchmaker, Matchmaker? I have nothing else to say. It's one of the best songs ever written. Uh, leave me alone. The most important man in town will come to fawn on me. They will ask me to advise them like a Solomon the wise. If you please, Rebetavia, pardon me, Rebetavia. Posing problems that would cross a rabbi's eye. He had it, he had it, he And it won't make one bit of difference if I answer right or wrong. When you're rich, they think you really know. 
If I were rich, I'd have the time that I like to sit in the synagogue and pray. And maybe have a seat by the eastern wall. And I discuss the holy books with the learned men seven hours every day. And that would be the sweetest thing of all. Oy. If I were a rich man, all day long I pity, pity bum. If I were a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work hard. Lord, who made the lion and the lamb, you decreed I should be what I am. Would it spoil some vast eternal plan if I were a wealthy man? I don't know about you, but I feel that the best part of If I Were a Rich Man is the ramp up to posing problems that would cross a rabbi's eye. The power that you have to tap into as a performer to get to the heights that that character achieves, the heights the character scales in that moment, posing problems that would cross a rabbi's eye. You really have to bellow it. You have to give it everything. That's my favorite part of, of that song. Now, Lin-Manuel Miranda, I'm going to talk about him again. In the documentary, A Miracle of Miracles, he's one of several people who commits this universality sin. He says something like, oh, if I were a rich man, who hasn't felt that? Who hasn't felt that level of aspiration? Anyone can relate to this song. And I hate to pick on Lin-Manuel Miranda because everybody so gleefully does it all the time, but it's not about anyone, is it? Lin-Manuel Miranda. The song is not about anyone. Yes, I get it. We all want to be rich. But this song is about Tevya. He's a poor Russian Jewish man who is literally, literally breaking his back to avoid starvation and despair and disaster. The details matter a hell of a lot more than making sure everyone gets it. And here's what happens when you rob a song like this of its details. The Herschel Bernardi album. Herschel Bernardi sings Fiddler on the Roof. You remember me talking about that album. When he does If I Were a Rich Man, he replaces, if you please Reb Tevya, pardon me Reb Tevya. He replaces it with if you please, Your Honor, pardon me, Your Honor, posing problems that would cross a rabbi's eyes. If you please, Your Honor, pardon me, Your Honor. Your Honor? Where, what the fuck is Your Honor doing in this song? It's Reb Tevya. Why are you robbing it of the inherent Jewishness of the song? Why is Tevya no longer a part of the song? You're taking his name out of his own fucking song? That's the whole point. Tevya wants to be si mm, Don't get me started. That's what happens when you rob the material of the specifics. The dilution of the specifics weakens the material. I don't like that, Your Honor. Pardon me, Your Honor. If you please, Your Honor, shut up. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. If I could just take a moment to relax, let's take a moment to listen to Tevye's monologue. I want to, let's play the 2004, uh, yes, the 2004 Broadway revival version of Tevye's monologue, and then I want to follow that up with the same monologue in Yiddish. I want to hear the 2018 Yiddish recording of that very same monologue. Patty, Betty, can we make that happen? I know we can. Times are changing, Reb Tevye. Uh, the thing is, your daughter Zeitel and I gave each other our pledge more than a year ago that we would marry. You gave each other a pledge? Yes, Papa, we gave each other our pledge. They gave each other a pledge. It's unheard of. Absurd. You gave each other a pledge. Unthinkable. Where do you think you are? In Moscow? In Paris? Where do they think they are? America! And what do you think you're doing? You stitcher, you nothing. Who do you think you are? King Solomon? This isn't the way it's done. Not here, not now. Some things I will not, I cannot allow. Tradition. Marriages must be arranged by the papa. This should never be changed. One little time you pull out a prop and where does it stop? Where does it stop? Where does it stop? Sie haben sich gegeben das Wort. Hefke. Petrischke. Ihr hat sich gegeben das Wort. Ungläublich. Und wo je m'intéressant? In Moskwe. Paris Square. Wo meinen Sie Sie sagen? Amerika. Und wo je kennst du den Wurst? Was Trägerin? Du gar nicht. Und wer je meinst du, du bist? Schleuner Hamelech. Mir tut es nicht das Ei bei uns. Ich mein, sie waren Zeiten, wenn ich muss sagen, nein. Tradition. Schaduchem seinen gemacht von einem Taten. Das daran durch nicht sein. Schwerleut läuft allein bergab. Wo stellt sich es ab? Wo stellt sich es ab? Wo stellt sich es ab? Thank you very much, Patty and Benny. Now I would like to hear Adam Cantor singing Miracle of Miracles from the 2015 Broadway revival cast album of Fiddler on the Roof because out of all of the versions of Miracle of Miracles I heard, Adam Cantor, oh, he blew me away. He was so much better than everyone else. And I know it's not a matter of, it's not a contest, it's not a competition, but I've always seen this song as being a little silly, as being very fluffy, and Adam Cantor is finding a real raw passion. He's really grounding this and infusing it with so much heart and warmth. I really do feel that he blows away everybody else. So let's hear Adam Cantor singing Miracle of Miracles. Wonder of wonders, miracle of miracles, God took a Daniel once again, stood by his side and miracle of miracles, walked him through the eye 
Christians' den. Wonder of wonders, miracle of miracles. I was afraid that God would frown. But like he did so long ago in Jericho, God just made a wall fall down. When Moses softened Pharaoh's heart, that was a miracle. When God made the waters of the Red Sea part, that was a miracle too. But of all God's miracles, large and small, the most miraculous one of all is that out of a worthless lump of clay, God has made a man today. Wonder of wonders, miracle of miracles, God took a tailor by the him around and miracle of miracles led him to the promised land when David slew Goliath yes that was a miracle when God gave us manna in the wilderness that was a miracle too but of all God's miracles large and small most miraculous one of all is the one I thought could never be. God has given you to me. Adam Cantor, again, I have to tip Doff. My hat is what I do for you. It is now time to hear a little bit of the dream. Let's hear the dream. It could. Why not? Who could be mistaken? Is the butcher's wife come from beyond the grave? Is the butcher's dear darling departed wife? Ruma Sarah, 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 no consideration for a woman's feelings. feelings. Handing over my belongings to a total stranger. Total stranger. How can you allow it? How? How can you let your daughter take my place, live in my house, carry my keys, and wear my clothes? Pearls, how? How can you allow your daughter to take her place? Pearls! House. Pearls! Keys. Pearls! Pearls! Such a learned man as Tevye wouldn't let it happen. Let it and then I wouldn't worry. worry. Say you didn't give your blessing to your daughter's marriage. marriage. Let me tell you what will follow such a fatal wedding.
was brought on by that butcher. If my grandmother Seifel, may she rest in peace, took the trouble to come all the way from the other world to tell us about the tailor, then all we can say is that it's all for the best. Couldn't possibly be any better. Amen. A blessing on my head, mazel tov, mazel tov. Like Grandma Seidel said, mazel tov, mazel tov. We'll have a son-in-law like no one ever saw. The tale of Mazel Tov's oil. We haven't got the man. Mazel tov, mazel tov. We had when we began. Mazel tov, mazel tov. Well, since your grandma came, she'll marry what's his name? The tale of Mazel Tov's oil. The tale of Mazel Tov's oil. The tailor model comes on. How can you not love the dream? There are ghosts in this number. Spirits, I tell you. The dream is arguably the high point of the first act. I loved doing this section of the show as a kid, and I still love it to this day. Fruma Sarah, as a character, is a star. I adore Fruma Sarah. She knows what she wants. She deserves her own cabaret act, which I would call Pearls. Fruma at 54 Below. That's the title I would give to that cabaret. I would sign up. I would buy tickets, I should say, in a minute. Now, my husband, Chris, frequently makes comparisons. When he listens to these episodes, he will hear he will hear certain performers and he will compare their vocal style to that of Ethel Merman. Frequently, this has happened in the past. And I will say this. I, I, I feel that my husband has already made a connection between Carol Sawyer, who plays Fruma Sarah for the purposes of the Broadway album, and, ah, the big EM, Ethel Merman. I feel like a connection was already made. My husband, is this true? I'm talking to you. I feel like you made a connection there. Because Carol Sawyer does sound a lot like Ethel Merman during this sequence. I'm unsure as to who plays Fruma Sarah for the 2007 London recording, but her first... Oh boy. Her delivery of the name Tevya. That's the first thing we hear Fruma Sarah say. Tevya! That's how you're supposed to say it. I, I, I hate to give a line reading, but in the 2007 album, this performer goes, Tevya. <laughs> ah, Tevya. It's a swampy gray on Tevya. <laughs> You're a scary ghost for crying out loud. Circling back to the original Broadway cast recording of The Dream, I have to say the symbol has so much personality it cannot be overrated that Taylor Mattel comes oil. Da! A blessing on your head. Mazel tov, mazel tov. To see your daughter wed. Mazel tov, mazel tov. And such a son-in-law like no one ever saw. The Taylor Mattel comes oil. <laughs> Mattel? <laughs> The symbol just goes blat, splurt, da. <laughs> it's very funny to me. Such a learned man as Tevya wouldn't let it happen. That is a line delivered by Fruma Sarah at one point. Such a learned man as Tevya wouldn't let it happen. I find that to be hilarious because in the middle of this long con, I, I just like that Tevya takes a moment to say, oh, and then the ghost said something about how, how smart I am. <laughs> Very funny. I keep saying it's very funny because it is. And then when Tevya sings, but since your grandma came, she'll marry what's his name? <laughs> In that moment, if I may, if I may be a director, I would want Golda to basically <laughs> become a volcano. I want her to become notably incredibly furious. I will kill you, Tevya. 
What do you mean, what's his name? The tailor, model Comsoil. I will kill you. I have no intellectual insights when it comes to the song Sunrise, Sunset, but oh, if we were to jump over, skip over Sunrise, Sunset, that would be, oh, we would be a terrible podcast for doing so. No one should skip over Sunrise, Sunset. So we shall hear, I think we should hear the 2015 recording of Sunrise, Sunset. Let's hear that. Yes. Is this the little girl I carried? Is this the little boy at play? I don't remember growing older. such a beautiful song. What do you want from me? It's one of the most beautiful songs ever written for the musical theater. <laughs> it's about parents reflecting on the passage of time. When did I get to be so old? When did they get to be so old? Oh, time is passing. It's like water in our hands. I weep. I weep because I am happy, but also I am so sad to lose my child. My child is stepping away from me and starting a new chapter of her life. That has nothing to do with me. Oh. And then I really, I actually really like the part where Perchik and Hoddle have their own internal monologue where they see each other from across the way. They are wondering to themselves, is this going to happen for me? I like him. I like her. But maybe it won't work out. Who knows? This is beautiful. I want it for myself. Let's hear a bit of the wedding dance. I love this piece of instrumental music. Let's hear it.
I hear the wedding dance sequence, this orchestral piece, I imagine a black box production of Fiddler on the Roof, and I'm sure that this has already been done, but I would like to see a black box version of this show that involves a fully integrated orchestra. The orchestra, the band, is a part of the world of Anatevka. They are the village musicians who appear whenever music is required. And what's so great about Fiddler is that the music and the dancing is so often diegetic. So it makes sense that the village would have a small group of musicians who go about and that's how they make their living. I like that idea. Now, barring that concept, if you don't like that pitch, why don't we do a John Doyle-inspired production? I, I know that other people have... <laughs> I don't mean to say this is the John Doyle staging, that he owns this idea, but I, I always think of John Doyle, and I want to say, what if the cast played their own instruments? That would also be very interesting. I would like to see that. Eh, what do you want to hear next, Jonathan? I want to hear... I want to hear... Do you love me? Is that fine? Can we hear that? Goldie, I've decided to give Perchik permission to become engaged to our daughter, Huttle. What? He's poor. He has nothing. Absolutely nothing. He's a good man, Goldie. I like him. And what's more important, Huddle likes him. Huddle loves him. So what can we do? It's a new world. A new world. Love. Goldie, do you love me? Do I what? Do you love me? Do I love you? With our daughters getting married and this trouble in the town, you're upset, you're worn out, go inside, go lie down. Goldie, I'm asking you a question. Do you love me? You're a fool. I know. But do you love me? Do I love you? Well? For 25 years I've washed your clothes, cooked your meals, cleaned your house, given you children, milked the cow, 25 years why talk about love right now goldie the first time i met you was on our wedding day i was scared i was shy i was nervous so was i but my father and my mother said we'd learn to love each other and now i'm asking goldie do you love me i'm your I know, but do you love me? Do I love him? Well? For 25 years I've lived with him, fought with him, starved with him. 25 years my bed is his. If that's not love, what is? Then you love me. And I suppose I love you, too. It doesn't change a thing, but even so, after 25 years, it's nice to know. 
I've been very broad, I feel, with a lot of my observations, but I want to I really want to drill down when it comes to talking about Do You Love Me? I feel that Do You Love Me is the best part of the show. Tevya is saying, Do You Love Me? Yes, that's the inherent, the central question in this song. But what he is really asking, I think, in this moment is, have I have I made your life harder by being a part of it? Have I made your life miserable by being your husband? This is all informed, of course, by his conversation with Hoddle and Perchik, but earlier in the show, he witnessed his oldest daughter, Seidel, fall to her knees. She was in despair at the idea of marrying Laser Wolf. He had to witness that. He saw Seidel completely fall apart in the face of this arranged marriage, and I think that moment really shook Tevye. It rattled him, and it changed his perception of his marriage with Golda. And I think he's wondering to himself, did Golda have this same reaction? Did she fall to her knees when she learned about me? My god, I don't think Tevye likes that idea. I don't think anyone would like the idea that, oh my god, this person I've been with for 25 years, what if they fell into a complete moment of despair, learning I was going to be their partner for the rest of their lives? Do You Love Me as a Number needs to be informed by a lot of emotional intellectual curiosity. You have to be very curious as to what's really going on with these two characters, Tevi and Golda. It's the most fascinating, actable scene in the entire show. If you love acting, this is a scene for you. And I will say, if I may put on my dunce cap again as a director, I would say do not be concerned with laughs if you are playing Golda. The original Broadway cast version of Golda is very shrill. We're obviously reaching for a lot of laughs there. I don't think you should be trying to make Golda a comedian in this moment. This is a scary moment for her. It is as scary for her as it is for Tevye, and the scene should be played with great care and sensitivity. Don't go for laughs. Go for the truth of the moment. They are reaching out to each other, and that should be a gorgeous sight to behold. Do not underestimate. I want to go back to, you know how I talked about how the symbol should not be underestimated when it comes to staging the dream? Well, I want to talk about the power of the anachronistic hippie guitar that we hear on that original Broadway cast album. That bling, bling, bling. You hear it in the background. Bling, bling, bling. It's very modern. It's very 1960s. I like the symbol. I gotta say, this guitar has a lot of personality and excluding it from your orchestrations would be a mistake. I want you to make room for the hippie guitar. Bling, bling, bling. And I suppose I love you too. Bling, bling. That's great. I want to hear from far from the home I love. Let's hear that. Yeah. 
shall see each other again. And we will leave it in his hands. heard a clip from Far From the Home I Love, I would now like to offer you a passage from the story, Hoddle. This is the moment where Tevye says goodbye to Hoddle at the train station in Shalem Aleichem's original stories. Quote, Let us say goodbye, she said. Be well, Papa. God only knows when we shall see each other again. And then Tevye proceeds to say to Shalom Aleichem, Well, that was too much for me. I could no longer control myself. I remembered this same hoddle when she was still a baby, and I held her in my arms. In my arms! Forgive me, Pani, for acting like a woman. I must tell you what sort of daughter Hoddle is. You should see the letters she writes. She is a gift from God. She is right here, right here, deep, deep... I cannot begin to say it. Do you know what, Pani Shalemalaikum? Let's better speak of something happier. What do you hear about the cholera in Odessa? Little bird, little Havala, I don't understand what's happening today. Everything is all a blur All I can see is a happy child The sweet little bird you were Chabala, Chabala Little bird, little Chabala You were always such a pretty little thing Everybody's favorite child Gentle and kind and affectionate What a sweet little bird you were Chabala, Chabala strange about Havala is that it does not appear on the original Broadway or London cast albums. It takes a while for you to actually get that. The song appears in the 1971 film, but it was not written for the film. It has always been a part of the show from the very beginning. So, why, why, where'd it go, where'd it go? I sound like a maniac. I would like to read another passage from a Shalem Aleichem story. This is from the story Hava, and in this moment, Tevye is reflecting on his decision to abandon Hava to consider her dead. Quote, All sorts of strange thoughts came to my mind. What did it mean to be a Jew? And what did it mean to be a non-Jew? And why did God create Jews and non-Jews? And why were they so set apart from one another, unable to get along, as if one had been created by God and the other had not? To my regret, not being as learned as others in books and religious texts, I could not find an answer to these questions. Quote, after a lifetime, a piece of paper, an edict from the authorities, and we must all leave our homes. Rabbi, we've been waiting for the Messiah all our lives. Wouldn't this be a good time for him to come? 
We'll have to wait for him someplace else. Meanwhile, let's start packing. Well, Anatevka hasn't exactly been the Garden of Eden. That's true. After all, what have we got here? A little bit of this, a little bit of that. A pot, a pan, a broom, a hat. Someone should have set a match to this place years ago. A bench, a tree. So what's a stove? Or a house. People who pass through Anatevka don't even know they've been here. A stick of wood. A piece of cloth. What, what do we leave? Nothing much. Only Anatevka. Anatevka, Anatevka. Underfed, overworked, Anatevka. Where else could Sabbath be so sweet? Anatevka, Anatevka. Intimate, obstinate, Anatevka. Where I know everyone I meet. Soon I'll be a stranger in a strange new place. Searching for an old familiar face from Anatevka. I belong in Anatevka, tumble down work a day, Anatevka, dear wondering why I have not made any connections to modern events during this coverage of Fiddler on the Roof, but when you listen to a song like Anatevka, you can't help but make connections to other shows and real-world events. The show that I think of when I hear Anatevka is, of course, our most recent subject in the main feed, which was Milk and Honey. A lot of time is dedicated in Milk and Honey to this idea that Israel is our home and it may not be perfect, but this is the land that I love and I call it my own, and that's the sort of spirit we hear in Anatevka. It's not boisterous, Anatevka is delivered with this resigned sigh, but the people of Anatevka love Anatevka despite its imperfections in the exact same way the characters of Milk and Honey love their home of Israel. And of course, the modern day connection that I make, it's very obvious, but when we see this war that is happening right before us, it's enfolding between Russia, the aggressor, and the people of the Ukraine, and we see the people of Ukraine 
packing up as much as they can and running, running for the border so that they are not killed, so that their families are not destroyed, while the men stay behind so they have to fight. It's so fucking fucked up, isn't it? I, I know that I don't have to say these things out loud for everybody to understand it. It's a, it's a universal accepted fact. It's so, it's so horrible to watch people flee their homes in any context. You know how a lot of people in the media are talking about, you know how it's typical for us to see something like this in, in the Middle East or in the, you know, an African nation. But, oh my gosh, it's happening in Europe. Can you imagine? I love how people qualify the, the horribleness of it. Yeah, 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 it's, it's, it's hard to see it in the Middle East and Africa and whatever, but in Europe? I, Jesus Christ, don't even get me started. I would go down a rabbit hole now if, I, if we had the time, but we have been going on long enough. I just, the idea of packing a bag and trying to decide what is important and what you can leave behind is so, is so disarming. So that's what I, I had to say it. I had to reference the real world parallels here. So I've done that now. I would like to end our deconstruction of the score with a bonus track from the 2018 Yiddish album. This is a song that was cut from the show. And it's called What a Life. It's all about Tevya yelling at his horse. And this recording is, is presented to us by the one and only Richard Kind. That's right, I, I recognized his voice. I was delighted to confirm that this was Richard Kind. I want to hear What a Life. Let's go, Richard. You're up. Let's go. March. Move. Giddy up. What a life, what a day, what a horse I've got. May you choke on your oats and your bones all rot. You're a mule, you're an ox. If you think that you're a horse, you're not. So you work like a horse, well, of course you do. Don't I work like a horse even more than you? But do I make a scene or complain about the life I've got? All my enemies should live like me With the miserable hours I keep Getting up every morning while God himself is fast asleep What a life, what a day What a horse, what a day, what a life So you'd like to be lazy and fat, of course Well, it's your rotten luck to be Tevye's horse and it's God who decides how our life is gonna be. Whether you and I agree or not, giddy up. Move along. What a horse, what a day, what a life. What is life but a kind of a juggler's trick? When my wife is all right, then my cows get sick. When my cows are all right, then my daughters all begin to sneeze. Every day I've been blessed with a new gray hair, but I won't say my daughters have put them there. You could look far and wide for a family of girls like these. Are they beautiful and smart? Don't ask. Every one of them a pearl, a rose. Maybe God has made a plan where I'll have a little luck with them. God knows maybe so, maybe not. I don't know, but I know what I've got. God of Moses, who once made the Red Sea part. Lord of hosts, who put fear into Pharaoh's heart. King of kings, who can pass any miracle at all. Get 
this animal to haul me home. I will say his name three times. Richard Kind. Richard Kind. Richard Kind! Oh, he's one of a kind. That's it, that's all I have to say regarding the score of Fiddler on the Roof. It is now time to hear from our fine, fine sponsor, 5678 Coffee. Take it away, 5678! dog and he says boo to the cockers. <laughs> oh, oh barkeep perfect yes out of my way yes I like to start a, a tab barkeep ah drinks for everyone <laughs> oh yes yes the name a C A S stop it <laughs> she's putting her fist through me <laughs> that's C A S B E R Casper yes that's right oh yes oh you recognize me don't you yeah <laughs> You'll have to excuse me. I'm a bit twisted. I'm a bit... The screws have been tightened recently. <laughs> all right. Yes. Five, six, seven, eight coffee for everyone all around. And do me a favor. <laughs> do me a favor. Put a little ectoplasm in there. <laughs> a nice little shot of... What do you mean? Can you believe him? Is Mr. No, no, no over here? He says, yes, no, no, ectoplasm. What are you talking about? I'm a ghost. I can't, you can't expect me to drink your mortal coffee without, without ectoplasm. Well, luckily for you, I'm a friend of the ghost. Here's the thing. I'm going to share my ectoplasm. That's right. Let's all get high on my supply. I just squeezed a dollop of ectoplasm into my own coffee. <laughs> Oh, look, a piano! Does anyone know? Does anyone know green sleeves? No. <laughs> look, you'll have to excuse me. I'm a bit of a nut. I'm a bit of a freak, you understand? I flow. Look at my little tail. I've got a little weird tail. I have no feet. I have no feet, because I have a tail. Listen, okay, you. everyone wants ectoplasm, yes? Everyone? Ah, oh, Casper's buying. All right, okay. I don't know if I can produce this much ectoplasm. Oh, there was a blop. Yeah, there was a dollop. A dollop will do you. <laughs> Listen to me! Hey, turn around! I'm charming! I'm a friendly ghost! Okay, on the count of boo, everyone drink up, alright? Five, six, seven, eight, boo! <laughs> oh, what's that? Oh, I can feel myself being dragged back down into the depths of hell. Oh no, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> Look, I'll see you in another millennia. Enjoy your ectoplasm! It's basically ghost poo! Final thoughts regarding Fiddler on the Roof. I mean, what can I say? Fiddler on the Roof is one of my favorite musicals. It has been ever since I did it in high school. And I'm here to tell you right here and now, it deserved to win the Tony Award for Best Musical back in 1965. As a reminder, I believe, yes, we've talked about other shows from this season. The other nominees for the 1965 season were Golden Boy, Half a Sixpence, and Oh, What a Lovely War 
We've talked about two of these shows now. We have two more to go. I'm just going to say it. I don't think Filler on the Roof is ever going to have to worry about losing that medallion to the other two shows. I think we can make that call right here and now. It is now time to rank Fiddler on the Roof against all of the other musicals we have talked about here on the podcast. As a reminder, if you would like to check out our ranking, go to twitter.com slash musicalmanpod. You'll find our link tree. Go to the spreadsheet. The spreadsheet is where you will find this information, and you want to go to the second tab. Not the first, the second tab. That's where our ranking is. I am going to give Fiddler on the Roof our number five slot. Yes, when was the last time we put a show in the top ten? My goodness, Fiddler on the Roof, you are number five next to Hello Dolly at number four and Ah Company at number six. I would also like to announce two significant changes to our ranking. Bells Are Ringing has been moved to number 52. Its neighbors are Sunset Boulevard at 51 and The Rothschilds at number 53. And Milk and Honey, Speak of the Devil, has been moved all the way down. All the way down. Whoa. Down to 78. Its neighbors are The Wild Party at number 77 and Mean Girls at 79. Sorry, not sorry, Milk and Honey. Sorry, not sorry. We have a metric ton of show-related ephemera for you this time around. I am so excited to begin with Cannonball Adderley's Fiddler on the Roof. This is an album that was released in 1964, the same year Fiddler on the Roof premiered on Broadway. We are going to be hearing Cannonball Adderley's version of To Life. sings the great songs from The Sound of Music and other Broadway hits, the longest title for an album in history. That album was released in 1965, and we are going to be hearing track nine, which is Edie Gourmet's version of Matchmaker, Matchmaker. like to draw your attention to a November 7th, 1969 NBC television special, which was hosted by Diana Ross. The name of that special was G.I.T. Get! 
Get on Broadway. I believe G-I-T stood for Getting It Together. As I said, Diana Ross was the host, but a 10-minute section of this special was dedicated to a Fiddler on the Roof medley as presented and performed by The Temptations. Let's hear a bit of that medley now. If I were includes a version of Matchmaker Matchmaker with alternate lyrics. I wrote down the lyrics. I want to share them with you now. Matchmaker Matchmaker, I'll bring the wine. I'll bring the bride. Slender and fine. Up till this moment I misunderstood that I could be hung up for good. Hey! For mama! Make her a lady for papa. Make her rich and renowned for me. Well, I wouldn't holler if she was the grooviest girl in town. <laughs> Those are the lyrics they came up with, folks. I'm not making this up. Ah, up next, we have a bit of audio from a very strange video I found online. This is from the 1980 Muscular Dystrophy Association, or MDA Telethon, hosted by Jerry Lewis. You will hear Jerry Lewis at the top of this clip. It is very obvious that he is drunk and miserable, and then he will throw it to Tevya, as played by Art Engel, who is, uh, to be kind, I would, <laughs> if I were to be kind, I would say he is grasping for his lines. Let's hear that. We'd like to present to you Mr. Art Engler as Tevya in Fiddler on the Roof. My name is Tevya. I'm a dairyman, and I live here in this little Russian village on Tevke with my wife Golda and our five daughters. I'm on my way to the inn to meet with Laser Wolf the Butcher, who has asked me for permission to marry my oldest daughter, Zeitl. What do I think? What do I think? I never liked them. Here's my impression of Mr. Art Engel from the clip you just heard. My name is Tevya. I'm a dairyman. And I live here in this little Russian village, Anatevka, with my wife, Golda, and our five er, daughters. <laughs> that er, that tiny, and our five uh, daughters. <laughs> 
Five uh, daughters. <laughs> he's he's having trouble. And then later, 40, no, not like four seconds later, he says, what do I think? What do I think? I never liked him. <laughs> Did you hear the tiniest laugh in recorded history after that line delivery? What do I think? I never liked him. <laughs> I never liked him. <laughs> I never liked him. <laughs> Okay, enough. I can't be piling on poor Mr. Art Angle any more than I already have. Next up, Sesame Street, episode 3496. This aired on April 8th, 1996. This is a Monsterpiece Theater segment. I love Monsterpiece Theater. This is Fiddler on the Roof as presented by Monsterpiece Theater. Good evening, and welcome to Monsterpiece Tonight, we proud to present famous Broadway musical about life among peasants in Russia. Lots of good singing, dancing, fiddle playing. Here it is, Fiddler on the Roof. A fiddler on the roof sounds crazy, but in our little village, there are lots of fiddlers on the roof. And how do we keep track of how many fiddlers are on the roof? I can tell you in one word. Audition! Each morning I wake up with the rising of the sun. I check the roof of fiddlers and find there's only one. But then I look again and another's come in view. And when I add the fiddlers, then one and one are two. Against my better judgment, I have decided to include Season 3, Episode 22 of Family Guy, which aired on September 9th, 2003. The name of that episode is When You Wish Upon a Weinstein. Context for this clip, Peter Griffin, you know him, you love him, having attended synagogue services earlier that evening, recalls a Fiddler production that starred William Shatner. Oh, boy. Well, that was so nice. A good sermon and such beautiful songs. Yeah, it was just like that other Jewish musical we saw. A fiddler on the roof. Sounds crazy, no? But here in our little village of Anatevka, you might say each one of us. Our next piece of ephemera is not audio-based. I actually pulled a few New York Times reviews by Mr. Ben Brantley, and these are all in relation to the 2004 Broadway revival of Fiddler. This first selection that I am about to read to you is from his first review, the headline for which was A Cozy Little McShtetl. You might, maybe you see where we're going with this. Here we go. Quote, Portraying Jewish villagers and a few Cossacks in a Russian village in 1905, the ensemble members go through their paces of song, dance, and Yiddish humor with a bland, dutiful cheer that rarely turns into anything more robust. Should the entertainment entrepreneurs of Branson, Missouri, ever come up with a pavilion called Shtetlland, this is what it would be like. Even before it opened, 
this revival of Fiddler was generating public debate in an essay in the Los Angeles Times on February 15th, when the show was still in previews. The novelist Thane Rosenbaum wrote that Mr. Laveau's production was marked by an absence of Jewish soul. By that time, a nickname for the revival had already started circulating among theater insiders, Goyim on the Roof. Being a Goy myself, I won't try to assess the Jewish authenticity of this fiddler. The theater lover in me, however, is baffled by the production's lack of gusto, earthiness, warmth, and, to use Mr. Rosenbaum's word, soul of any kind. It's hard to figure out exactly what Mr. Laveau thought he was up to with this subdued interpretation. Maybe he was just trying to avoid the usual stereotypes and give Fiddler a more universal appeal. But to make its characters, starting with Tevye, genteel, never mind gentile, folk who avoid self-traumatization is to deprive the show of the zest that makes it spin. In this Fiddler, when Tevye and his friends break out with the drinking song to life, you can only wonder at the absence of the life force they raise their glasses to. Quote, we will be hearing from Ben again, but for the moment I would like you to listen to Rich Girl, the single from 2004, from Gwen Stefani's debut solo studio album, Love, Angel, Music, Baby. The song features Eve. You're gonna hear her right up top. Let's hear it. as a cover of a Luchi Lu and Michi One song from 1993, which I did not know until this week. Maybe you did not know it was a cover. Let's hear the original song, baby! Big up all ghetto you to Norwich and Switch. All massive and
I do think we would be remiss if we did not make room for Harvey Firestein. I think we should hear a little bit of his interpretation of Tevye. As a reminder, Harvey starred in the 2004 Broadway revival. He was a replacement, I should say. So let's do it. I want to hear Harvey, and so we shall right now. It's wild, right? His interpretation, the speed, I should say, of his delivery is, is truly out there. But I love Harvey. I, I do not have a single negative word for Harvey. Never. I would never. Now, I said that we were going to hear from Ben Brantley again. Yes, I did. This is from <laughs> another review. He reviewed Harvey Firestein in this very same production. He felt the need to return, revisit the show. This headline, oh boy, an exotic Tevya in Old Anna Tevka. That's the headline for his next review, which was published on January 21st, 2005. Here is the very small passage I pulled from that quote. Heard not so long ago issuing from the plus-size form of Edna Turnblad, Mr. Firestein's voice is one of the most distinctive in theater, belonging to the legend-making league of those of Carol Channing and Glennis Johns, and though a kazoo is what it most often brings to mind, it also variously evokes a congested saxophone phone, wind in a bottle, and echoes from a crypt. Quote, Ben, my God. <laughs> back off, back up. <laughs> my God, my God. What's next? We have so much more to give you. This is from a 2005 World AIDS Day benefit. This is a sketch from that benefit known as Avenue Jew. It features the casts of Avenue Q and the, of course, the 2004 Broadway revival of Fiddler on the Roof, Let's hear that clip, I guess. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Find me a boy, no foreskin attached. Night after night in the dark, I'm alone. So find me a top of my I'm a lonely man, Tevya. This has its moments, I suppose, but it's nearly 10 minutes long. It's exhausting. And appearances from George W. Bush and Ben Brantley. We have an actor playing Ben Brantley. Those moments send the whole thing careening into a ditch for me, personally. The Brantley stuff is especially tiresome and confusing. There is an, as I said, there is an actor playing Ben, a very queenie actor, like, ah, I'm Ben Brantley. This is, oh my God, this is what I sound like, ah. Uh. And... <laughs> 
It's about as subtle as that. I'm not kidding. And the cast, they turn on him and they start saying things like, oh, Ben Brantley, ugh, boo. Stop demanding to see more Jews on stage, Ben. Ah, oh, Ben, what's the matter, you big baby? You care about accuracy and casting? You want to see more representation? Well, you're the only one, so shut up, you big baby. You suck. We hate you. Fuck you. Fuck you. It's so aggressive, and I just got to say, all right, we get it, but also... Ben was not calling for accuracy in casting in his original review. You heard me talking about it. Ah, that was the first passage I gave you from Ben Brantley. He wasn't asking for direct reflection of Jewishness on stage. There is no truth in this comedy. Avenue Q making a fucked up point that is based in nothing? Ah, shocking, I know. I do have, believe it or not, a third review from Ben Brantley. He returned to the show again to talk about Rosie O'Donnell's performance performance as Golda. The headline for this piece is Tevya Takes a New Wife, and this one is TV Famous. This was published in the New York Times, of course, on October 14th, 2005. Here we go. Quote, Rosie O'Donnell's accent trots the globe through countries real and imagined. It is variously Irish, Yiddish, Long Island-ish, and for big dramatic moments, crisp and round in the style of introduction to theater students. Her relationship with the notes and keys of a song is similarly fluid. In the scene where Tevya, Firestein, frightens his wife by describing an ominous dream, Miss O'Donnell puts her hands to her pinchable cheeks and emanates a series of high-pitched O's, bringing to mind a distressed dolphin. Regarding Firestein, Ben Brantley says, Not since Mercedes McCambridge dubbed the part of the demon in The Exorcist has there been such a vocally baroque performance. A warning to those of delicate hearing, the show is now so overmiked that when Mr. Firestein exercises his nasal tones, your eardrums go into shock. When Miss O'Donnell tries to match him in stridency in the duet, Do You Love Me?, you may find yourself longing for a more orally soothing environment, like the runway of a busy airport. Quote. <laughs> I can understand why nobody liked him. I know, I, I do, but come on. <laughs> You're being unfair, Avenue Q. I will say that. We have two more pieces of ephemera for you, if you can believe it. This is from Season 5, Episode 15 of The Gilmore Girls. Not The Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls, that's it. It aired on February 22nd, 2005. The name of the episode is Jews and Chinese Food. Uh, fair warning, the audio has been sped up, presumably to avoid any sort of copyright infringement. I don't know, YouTube is weird. Let's hear this. Luke, we've got a problem. Yeah, what is it, Kirk? Well, this dairy car you made me. What's wrong with you? It pulls too easily, and, and the wheel doesn't wobble. So what? Well, it's too good. You built me a 21st century dairy car. There's no such thing as a 21st century dairy car. Exactly. Look, Tevye's a poor man. I mean, you've heard the song. Yes, I've heard the song, Kirk. Okay, so he's poor, he's tired, he's suffering, and his horse is lame. His life is hard, so pulling this cart should be hard. You're an actor. Pretend it's hard. I'm not that kind of actor. For my type of work, it has to be legitimately hard. There you go. Remember to thank me in your acceptance speech. Thank you, Luke. Hey, this is impossible! And finally, I tried to tell you that the audio was sped up. Finally, we have a performance from The Capitol Steps. That's C-A-P-I-T-O-L. The Capitol Steps. From 2016. I don't know who this is. This is an actor playing Bernie Sanders, and Bernie Sanders is singing a song called If There Were No Rich Men. 
<laughs> I think you could probably, you could probably write this yourself, but let's hear what they came up with. Some say that I was too easy on Hillary at the first debate. I, I even said we should forget about the email scandal. I am sick of hearing about the damn emails. Just like I am sick of the fact that my VCR has been blinking 12 o'clock for the past 26 years. If there were no rich men, if the 2% could see that being rich is not PC, I would spread their money all around, or we could share the poverty. Since they never work hard, if we go and eat the rich, just think how tender they would be. I'd eat Warren Buffett till I choke, cause things go better without guys named Coke. Like I said, I have no idea who is playing Bernie, and frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. To determine which show we discuss next, we'll need to take a ride on the musical carousel, otherwise known as the random number generator I named after that classic Rogers and Hammerstein show, Fuck You Goodbye, a 90th birthday celebration of the Kid Leroy. Everyone ready? Then away we go! of our next main feed episode, which will drop Wednesday, April 13th. Mark your calendars. It was a 1960 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical, so we're staying in the 60s. This production ran for 448 performances, and the name of the show is Take Me Along. I don't know anything about Take Me Along, but we're going to learn all about it together on April 13th. Go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod to find out how you can support the show financially. As a reminder, one 100% of every monthly payout is donated to the Okra Project. You can donate one, three, five, or ten dollars a month, and normally I would give a breakdown as to what you would get as an incentive for donating to any one of these tiers, but we are running very long today, and so I think we should simply provide a nice verbal shout-out to everyone who donates at least one dollar a month via Patreon. They deserve it. They deserve to have that shout-out each and every week. Thank you, Andy, Elizabeth, Aaron, Jason, Jack, Vitor C. Sydney, Katie, Elena, Anton, Ross, HJG, Jared, Eli, David, Dave, Christopher, Neil, Brian, Robin, Liz, Carrie, Maddie, Jonathan, Marcus, Rob, Shauna, Shiante, Roberto, Jordan, Ashley, Chris, JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. Thank you so much. All right. Like I said, I'm skipping over all of our usual Patreon plugs. Thanks as always to Patty and Benny. Oh my gosh. I love you. Thank you to Alex Green for our beautiful logo and thank Thank you to Zach Little for our fabulous intro and outro music. Wait a minute. Oh, I realize I skipped over a few things that don't have anything to do with Patreon, but I skipped over them. I should not have done that. You are probably listening to this show, maybe through Apple Podcasts or maybe even Podchaser. If you are, and even if you aren't, you should take the time to write a five-star review. We want 60 five-star reviews. We still only have 53. Shame on you. We need more five-star reviews. When we get to 60, when we have 60, I will finally record and release that Disney's Zombies episode. We will be talking about all of the Zombies films. That's true. You can stream the show via Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, or Podbean. Podbean, that's musicalmanpod.podbean.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at musicalmanpod, and email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. Ah, ha, ha. You know what that sound means. Just when the fun is starting, comes the time for parting. Oh, well. We'll catch up some other time, specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long,
long. Farewell. Auf Wiedersehen and good night. dream calm down tell me what you dreamt and i'll tell you what it meant i was at a party some, some sort of a celebration for for you do you know someone named bubby sophie my bubby sophie came to you in a dream oh she was horrible wretched they said she looked like me with a fantastic body <laughs> anyway uh, we were in a cemetery Everyone was having a great time. <laughs> Just about to toast your success when... Crazy, no? <laughs>